So the question is, what are we going to pray? Glad you ask. I'm gonna give you a little pattern here. It's gonna look like this. This is not gonna be the last time you see this pattern. This is gonna be the pattern for prayer. I've given you different patterns throughout the years. You might remember the pray pattern that I gave you a couple of years ago when we did that series. Remember praise, repent, ask, yield. Remember that one? This is essentially the same outline, just four different words alliterated around the letter R. Reverence, that means that all praying begins acknowledging worth to God. The primary reason we pray is not to get our will done, it's to get God's will done. Prayer is intimacy with God leading to the fulfillment of God's purposes. So we're gonna call attention to God's attributes in just a minute. And then we're gonna respond. And this is, this is a response to what God has said to us. We're gonna look at some scripture. Uh, we pray with open Bibles around here and we're gonna be praying from John 15. John 15, we've been in John 15 for eight weeks up here and we've explained different words in there. I'm gonna give you that in just a minute. And then request, God loves to hear our prayers, but I'm gonna give you a pattern for that as well. And then readiness to send us out because we can't just stay in prayer meeting. We gotta be on mission, right? To go out now that we've been empowered, all right? So let's talk about John 15. Get your Bibles open to John 15. By now, your Bible should be flopping open to John 15 every time you open it because we've just been there so often. And I want you to listen as I read to you the words of Jesus. And as I read these, listen for the Spirit to be prompting about things that we can talk to him about. So John 15, beginning in verse one. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. So right there in the first verse, we learn who Jesus is. Jesus, you are the vine. That means there's life in you. Lord, I don't feel very alive this week and I'm choosing to connect to you as the vine so your life-giving spirit can flow through me and I can experience not only eternal life one day in heaven, but abundant life right here on earth. Lord, that is only possible because I am connected to you as the vine. Do you see how you turn the words into prayers? Jesus says, I am the vine. His father is the vine dresser, which means what? Verse two is gonna happen for all of us. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So if he is the vine and I'm a branch and he wants fruit, that means I'm gonna go through seasons of pruning. You may feel like you've been in a season of pruning. You may need to talk to God about that. God, you've cut off something that used to be there. God, I can't have access to things that I want. And maybe this is a season of pruning for me. I'm suffering, I'm, I'm experiencing hardship. I'm, and Lord, do, do you see what's going on? You see how you turn these things into prayers. Verse three, already you, uh, you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me. We've said that word abide means to connect. It means to dwell. It means to unite. It means to live at home in. It means to remain. It means don't run away. Don't become disconnected. There's a thousand different things that are calling for you to abide in them, including cable news and political commentary and sports teams. And Jesus says, abide in me. Don't run away to distractions. Abide in me and I in you. 
As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. What are you? You're a stick. So humble yourself and quit thinking how awesome you are. Look at all the fruit you're bearing. No, the only reason that the stick produces anything is because it's connected to the vine. You're a straw that the life flows through. So there's fruit on the other side. Lord, thank you for using a stick like me. Lord, I don't feel very useful. I don't feel very adequate. Lord, somehow you wanna use me. I'm connected to you. I'm a branch. See how you turn that into a prayer? And it says in verse Five, I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned, sadly. Verse 7, but if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this My Father is glorified that you would bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Anybody think of Chocolate Fountain when I read that? Anybody think of strawberries and chocolate fountains? Remember the illustration over there? You just want to be in the flow. And as long as you are in the flow, you are you are saturated with the love of the Father because the love of the Father has saturated His Son. And so you have to be in the Son to get the love from the Father. Verse, 11, verse 10 says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Anybody need a little joy? Raise your hand if you need some joy. Where do you get the joy? You don't get joy from football games. You get happiness from football games. Sometimes you get depressed from that too. But Jesus says, my joy will be in you and your joy will be full when it's my joy. Every other kind of joy will not fill you, leaves you lacking. Verse 12, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, because greater love has no one than this, but that someone lay his life down for his friends. You are my friends. Does that just rock your world? Lord, thank you that you would call me a friend. Lord, I was your enemy. I I declared myself as God. I rebelled against you. And yet you called me your friend because of what you did on that cross. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go. If you have a pen right now, underline the word go in verse 16. We're gonna talk about that here in just a few minutes. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you. Notice they're not suggestions, they're commands that you love one another. Do you know it is possible to differ 
with someone politically and yet love them unconditionally? That is what we are commanded to do. And there's room in the church for people that differ politically. If you will love unconditionally, that's the command. And that's what happens when we abide. It produces the fruit of love. Well, we're going to stop right there, and I'm going to send you into a time of prayer here, okay? Now, I want you to notice here the first thing that we're going to do. We start out with reverence, and uh, this is what we're going to accomplish right now. We are going to praise God for uniting us in Christ. And uh, in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you a prayer prompt. Mike is going to come back up, and we're going to sing first. But here's the prayer prompt. I just want you individually, out loud, um, here uh, to, to, to begin your prayer with a phrase like this, Father, I praise you for uniting me to Christ because he, Jesus, is, you fill in the blank, and I am blank. Do you remember what Jesus said? I am the vine, you are the branches. Well, we could fill that in with a lot of things. God, you, you, you are awesome, and I'm inadequate. Jesus, you are powerful. I am weak. And then go from that to extrapolate on that prayer. But that'll be kind of the first sentence there. And in just a minute, we're going to stand. We're going to share an attribute of God with somebody around us. And then we're going to pray out loud together. Why don't we get on our feet now? Let's sing together. You are the one above it all. I stand in awe. God over all I know. No higher name, no greater throne. You stand alone. You're God over. Come on, you declare that in this place. Find someone there around you. Find one person and just tell them an attribute of God, a quality, a praiseworthy quality of God that comes to your mind. And then listen for their response. In about 30 seconds, we're going to lift those praises up to God. Go find somebody now. Share one praiseworthy quality of God with them. This is my Father's world. Oh, let me ne'er. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler. Yeah, we lift it up. And this is my Father's Father. 
Father's work. This is my Father's world. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is King. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth Jesus is reigning right now. Let the world be glad. Let my heart be glad. Now, you still got your Bible open. Remember, we pray with an open Bible around here because I don't know about you. I run out of things to pray. I I don't have a big vocabulary, but I can look in in God's word. He loves to hear his word prayed back to him. So this is the second section we're going to go into. Started with reverence, totally ascriptive giving God praise for who he is. In response to that, there's some stuff I need to lean into. It it ought to bend me. It ought to shape me. There's a response to who God is. And here's what we're going to pray. Because I am loved, I will obey. And I want you to look at verse 9 here. We've already read it. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. And let me just acknowledge up front, there are some people in this room right now, if the truth was known, you don't feel very loved right now. Maybe you come from an abusive background. Maybe somebody has betrayed you. Maybe some things have happened, some disappointments in relationship. Maybe there's strained relationships right now. And because of that, it's very hard for you to feel loved by God. And the very idea that God identifies himself as a father, if your earthly father failed to love you, This is what Father God says to you. I can fill that gap. I can fill that void. If you will come to me, abide in my love. So he says in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, notice the connection between love and obedience. We don't obey so that God will love us. The gospel teaches us the opposite. Because God loves us, I will obey. That's the gospel. Some of you may have been raised in faith traditions or churches where you just felt like, man, it's a list of do's and don'ts and I have to do all this stuff. And I hope maybe God saw some of that and somehow I'll look somehow lovable to him. Hey, guess what? You're not lovable. You're not. And yet God loves you anyway. It's not a statement about how good you are. It's a statement about how good God is. And because God has loved us, we choose to obey. So in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to get in a group of about seven, okay? So just grab people in. You can introduce yourselves very quickly, but don't spend time talking to each other. Spend time talking to God. And here's the way we're going to pray. Father, because you have loved me, I will obey your command to... What comes to mind? Fill in that blank. The Spirit's going to prompt your heart, maybe some area of disobedience, and you need to turn that around right now in act of repentance and say, God, I know you've, you've called me. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to quit delaying. I'm going to quit excusing. I'm going to quit rationalizing. I'm going to stop blaming others. I'm going to go obey. Fill in the blank. And then you can pray this, Father, convince me that I will find more joy in obedience than you fill in the blank. What is it you run to to fill your joy tank, but it never fills it up? 
Jesus says, I want my joy to fill your tank. And so let's use these prayer prompts. You don't just pray these by rote and script and fill in one word. Let that turn into a conversation with God. So when you get in a group, um, this is what happens. Um, Somebody might pray something that prompts you to pray something. Um, When you get in a group, don't dominate the group. The idea is that you pray short and give people chances to pray. You can pray more than once. Um, It's good if somebody leads and just jumps right into it so we don't just sit around staring at our shoes. And so and let's be bold about this. And if, if you're a member of Gospel City, look around, find somebody who's like, hey, you don't look like you're a part of, we want you to be part of our group. Just come on in, be welcoming. And if you don't want to pray in a group, that's fine. But we're going to give you about five minutes or so just to pray in a group. Find a group of about seven and let's go to prayer.
Father, would you convince us that uh, obedience to you and your word brings so much more joy than a life of disobedience and rebellion? Would you convince us that living under your authority brings pleasure to you and brings flourishing to us? God, would you dislodge us from self-rule and self-autonomy? And Lord, afresh and anew, fold our hearts under your Lordship. I pray, God, for our church that we would experience that kind of joy. The world is looking for something that sets the church apart rather than anger and, and sadness and depression and fear. God, fill us with your joy as a result of us obeying you. Convince us that ultimately you've built us to live under your authority. And when we do, it brings great flourishing to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. You're my one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. So teach my song to rise to you. So teach my song to rise to you. comes my way when I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay oh Lord we pray Lord I need you oh I minutes you're going to get right back in that group i'm going to give you another prayer prompt here but we moved on we've gone from reverence to response now we're at request and we're going to be asking in jesus name so that the father will be glorified i want you to look at verse 16 he says very clearly that we can ask he says you did not choose me But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that, do you see the word so that in verse 16? Underline those. I I told our staff, I told our elders this week, if you want to transform a prayer meeting from a request-based prayer meeting into a worship-based prayer meeting, you have to use the words so that. Jesus says you can ask anything. But if you will attach so that, it will change the way you pray. In other words, we always ask so that the Father will be glorified. 
We don't ask so that my life will be easier, so that my will will be done. I ask these things so that God's will can be done. That changes the whole direction of prayer. So I'm going to give you some prayer prompts. Here they are. We're going to pray in groups again, and you can pray like this. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask blank so that. And you know what? You got freedom to fill in the blank. Jesus says you can ask whatever you want, but why are you asking that? There's a lot of things that we want so that we can be happy, so that my pain will go away rather than that the Father will be glorified. And so let's make sure we're, we got the right, so that, Father, as you prune me in 2020, I ask for your help in blank, so that. How many feel like there's been a little pruning going on in your life in 2020? Loss of job, loss of income, loss of freedom, loss of happiness, loss of the ability to go to a football game. Uh, maybe your football team just lost. Uh, there's a lot of loss going on. So in 2020, God, that's not an accident. You tell me that you prune me so I can bear more fruit. And so I ask for your help so that. Here's another one. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that our nation would blank so that. A lot of prayers went on this week. I'm not sure how many of them attached the so that. So how are we going to pray? Let's go back into our groups and you can use these. Keep praying, give each other time to pray. And uh, maybe something someone else would pray would prompt you to begin your prayers as well. Let's get back in those groups. So as we continue to pray, I just want to pray for you. Lord, thank you for so many that are watching uh, this morning that are um, wanting to actually be in the room or wanting to be back in community. But because of this year, because of this morning, um, they're not here. And I pray that you would be glorified in their aloneness today so that they would be able to taste and see that you are good for them to be able to taste and see that your um, goodness and your mercy follow them even into their home, that you follow us even into isolation. And Lord, we know that uh, the word tells us that you often got up early in the morning to be alone with the Father. And I just want to thank you in your providence that in 2020, you have slowed us down in different moments so that we could be alone and be with you. And so today, Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who would rather not be alone, would rather be with um, in this gathering or in their own church somewhere. And I pray that you would just meet with them and you would meet with them in a palpable way so that, again, they wouldn't be able to know that you're real, that you care, that your love is a love that is personal. And Lord, I pray that you would teach us to pray so that we would be able to rely on you in the mundane moments and the obscure moments so that you would be glorified much in our hearts and that we would make much of you and we would treasure you in our hearts when we're alone, when we're beside ourselves. Lord, I pray that we would not be uh, angry with you with our assignment today to be alone, if that's the case for some of us, so that again, you would be made much of in our hearts. Give us great contentment so that we would be able to let others know that you are enough. 
It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Let me just encourage you to continue to seek the Lord um, with others in your family right now, or even maybe uh, FaceTime. Uh, uh, this week I saw a friend of mine uh, created a Zoom prayer chat with his family members that go all the way to the Philippines. So be creative, uh, either pray on your own or pray with others so that Christ would be made much of. Thanks for joining us this morning. Father, you've invited us to come in your name, boldly to approach your throne of grace, to find help in a time of need. And Lord, we acknowledge how needy we are individually, in our families, our church, our nation is so needy for you to break through our pride, our independent spirit, and God, we ask that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us individually, to the church, to the nation, so that you could receive great glory, so that people could hear the gospel and repent and believe and find great joy that brings you much glory. Lord, we ask you to continue to give us freedom to meet, to share, and to go as a church to share the message of the gospel. And God, as we go, I pray that you'd find us obedient, not just to think about these things, read about these things, talk about them, but actually to obey you, to love one another as you prune us. God, would you put the life in the branch so that the branch could bear the fruit that brings you much glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Jesus, in your name we pray. Come and fill our hearts today. Lord, give us strength to live for 
for a moment. Keep your Bible open. I do want to show you a few new things here in John 15. This is going to be the last of our Abide series, but we got to get to verses 16, 17, 18, actually the rest of the chapter there. So we're going to real quick blaze through that. Did you notice what he said in verse 16? He says, you have not chosen me. I have chosen you. It's important that we get the order right. The ultimate decisive act of salvation is is because God chose us. God didn't choose me because I chose him. I chose God because he chose me. Now there is a choice, but the reason I choose is because God enables the choice. And so that brings such a great humility. That brings such a great um, praise to God that he would have to do anything with me. And so abiding in Christ is a choice that God gets all the glory for. So it should humble us. It should bring us to our knees. And then notice what he says. There's a reason he chose us. The one that chooses is the one that gets to assign the purpose for the choice. And so notice what he says. I've chosen you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. What is the fruit that Jesus has in mind? Do you remember when we first kicked off the series and I had all these vineyards and grapes and bushels, remember all that stuff up here? And we said the fruit represents a lot of things. Of course, there's the fruit of the Spirit that's outlined in Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all in favor of a little gentleness in our nation, a little kindness in our nation. It's all going to come from the fruit of the Spirit demonstrated uh, in the lives of branches that are connected to the vine. It's going to come from us. So it's godliness, it's righteousness, it's obedience. All of those things are fruit. But there is one fruit that Jesus has in mind in verse 16. Remember the context. Jesus in the next 24 hours is going to be hanging on a cross. These are his final instructions to his disciples. He's telling them to remain while Jesus is going away. Abide so that you would what? Go and bear much fruit. The fruit Jesus has in mind there is the fruit of of evangelism, discipleship, missions, sharing the gospel. It is the fruit of multiplying Christians. It's the fruit of a growing church, people who are hearing the gospel, repenting of sin, putting faith in Christ, and multiplying disciples throughout the earth. And that is exactly what happened after Jesus left. These disciples did abide they did go, they bore much fruit, and that's the only reason we're here today 2,000 years later is because they were obedient. Question, is the church going to be around 2,000 years from now? 
it hinges on whether or not these Christians abide, go, bear fruit for the Father's glory. So when Jesus talks about asking in my name, I think he has in mind asking for God to save people that you and I know. When was the last time you prayed that God would grant faith and repentance to someone who has yet to believe the gospel? That should be what's on our prayer list. Who do you know in your circle of influence? Understand, the most loving thing you can do for someone is to tell them to repent and believe the gospel, to abide in Christ. When Jesus says, love one another, what's the ultimate act of love? It's laying your life down for your friend. That's what Jesus did for them. And loving someone means you need to lay your life down too and take up the life of Christ. Abide in Christ, connect to Christ. It's your only hope. Repent and believe. That's the most loving act that you can do for someone. Then look at verse 18. Interesting He turns a corner a little bit. Actually, before we read verse 18, read verse 17. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Interesting. The word love or loved is used nine times in the first 11 verses of John 15. The word hate is used seven times in the rest of the chapter. The first part of John 15 is about how God loves us. The second half of, verse, of chapter 15 is about how the world hates us. Do you understand? If you are going to be a Christian you are going to be the most loved and the most hated person on planet earth. The most loved by God and the most hated by the world. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? And I, I, it's, it's encouraging to know. That's right. Jesus says, why do you think he's telling us so often, God loves you, abide in his love, as the Father has loved me, I love you, you are loved. You've got to know this because nobody else may. Abide in my love because the world is going to hate you. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Verse 20, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they would keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come into, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that I did, that no one else did. They would not be guilty of sin, but now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Listen, 
if the world hates you as a Christian, it's not because you're doing something wrong. It's because you're doing something right. You are living a life that is distinct from the world. If you are receiving no opposition, no hatred, and no persecution, I would challenge whether or not you are a Christian. Jesus says that. They're not gonna hate you if you are of the world. Jesus has called you out of the world. We do marriage different. We do sex different. We do money different. We think different about the things that God has revealed in his word. We give our allegiance to Christ. And so because of the authority of Christ, we look really strange to the world. So if you are hated, it, be, it means that it's because you're living like Jesus. And if you live like Jesus, you should not expect to be treated better than Jesus. Now, some people in the world hate Christians because Christians can, can be hypocritical. So, stop being hypocritical. But if you are not hypocritical, you're still going to be hated. Think about it. Was Jesus a hypocrite? No. He's the most loving, the most righteous, the most unhypocritical person that's ever walked the earth and they nailed him to a cross. You still ready to go to the world? You still ready to go and bear fruit? Jesus is giving us this warning. Don't expect them to pat you on the back when they come, when you come and tell them to repent of sin. It stings, it hurts in the same way the first time somebody told you to repent, you wanted to punch them in the nose. Listen, make sure the only reason someone wants to punch you in the nose is because of the gospel. If somebody wants to punch you in the nose because you're rude and you're arrogant and hateful, you deserve to get punched in the nose. Let the only thing that offends the world be the gospel. Not the way we share the gospel, but simply the gospel. Now, I just told you some really depressing news. What is going to be the motivation for you now to go into a world that hates you and still preach the gospel. The Holy Spirit. Look at verse 26. But, so, so the world's going to hate you, but when the Helper comes, whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Guess what? You don't have to be the one bearing the witness. It's going to be the Holy Spirit the helper in you that's going to bear witness, he's just going to use you as a stick, a straw. All you have to do is open your mouth and the words of the Spirit that preach the gospel, the fact that God is holy, man is sinful, Christ is the only Savior, and we must repent and believe. That simple message is what God wants to use you as a stick to bear the fruit of new Christians on the other end of the stick. That's great news. We don't have to do it alone. Verse 27. And you also will bear witness. 
Remember, Holy Spirit's in us. He's bearing witness. And so you will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And then just one more verse. First verse of verse 16. Whoever edited this, I think verse one should have been a part of chapter 15 because it, it brackets the whole chapter. Here's what he says. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Chapter 15 starts out, abide in me. It ends, I'm telling you all this because I want you to abide. I want you to remain. Don't run away. 